0: Holy Bible. And we said before that we say Bible, but the really, really the word Bible in its original text just means book. But we add the word holy in front of it. According to God, that means that it's God's word set apart for us. Holy means it's, it's set apart for the king or set apart for God. And that's what the Holy Bible is. Um, but you know, still today, even though we've talked about it, about Learning the Bible, loving the Bible, living out the Bible in the previous Sundays. Last, last week we talked about how the Bible was laid out, about the different sections of the Bible. And then today I'm going to hope to continue pushing you toward um, a good one step to get you in a place that you can grow in your faith this year, even as we start our uh, seven-day restart for 2023 um, but let me just put a pen right there and just and warn you today: if you're not a note taker, you might want to be a note taker today. If you want digital notes, if you just go to the U version app, go to events, and then because you're here, it'll pop up. All of my notes from today are uh, are here, and I think you're gonna you're gonna need them because you're probably gonna want to go back and look over them again. Um, because I'm gonna go all college professor on you today, okay? So you're going to get, again, to experience another college uh, theology class, Bible class in in just about the next 30 minutes, and we're going to get it in. Um, And again, I'm not giving you this just to, quote, teach you. I'm giving this so you can consume it, and so that your perspective of the Bible and what it is um, grows stronger, and your faith grows stronger. We said last week, we used this verse in Psalm 119, 105, that says, God, your word is a Is a lamp and a light into my feet. It guides my path. The Bible should be leading us. It should be guiding us. We said last week, too, that uh, the Bible talks about the Word dwelling in us, that it fills us, that it needs more than just a verse that you may see on our screen on Sunday, but it should be something that's a daily intake for us. It's a daily consumption. Nobody in the room, if anybody, can anybody, or does anybody do this? You'll go eat lunch today, and then you won't eat again until next Sunday? Yeah, no. See, but we do that with God. We eat now, and then we say, okay, God, I'll see you next week. And the Bible says that's not what the Bible dwelling is in us is. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your lives. So today, as we move forward, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this. I'm going to give you why the Bible can be trusted. Because I really feel like a lot of people still question the Bible. Yeah, I don't know how, how society's different today, maybe things have changed. I don't know if I can really trust it. You know, technology's changed and the world's moved. We're in a different place now. And I hear all those. But I'm gonna show you in a minute, and you're gonna see how all of that does not change what the Bible is. See, the Bible doesn't change. Matthew twenty-four, thirty-five says this. Matthew wrote, or did Jesus speaking this, it says heaven and earth are going to disappear, but my words are never going to disappear. They're not going anywhere. When the Bible says that God and his word is the same yesterday today, and forever, it doesn't change. It's hard for our minds to wrap our brains around this. So I'm going to zip through these pretty quick so I can get them in for you. But I'm going to give you seven reasons that you can trust the Bible. And I'll tell you up front, I didn't, I didn't come up with all these. I went to some pastors and people that I trust. And as I've been teaching this, and I pulled this in from several different places, um, but it's still good. Right? Because it's the word and it's truth. So here we, here we go. See, the first thing is, this is where we get people will shoot down the Bible based off this right off the bat. And the first one is the Holy Bible is historically accurate. There are people who will tell you, hey, the Bible's just a good collection of ideas, but the stories in it just aren't true. I mean, it's impossible. It's impossible that some man could get swallowed by a fish and live in the belly of the whale for, for three days, and all that's just phony. It's not real. And my response to you or to whoever I'm talking to would, pro- would normally be, yeah, you're probably right. It's probably not humanly possible. But then again, neither was the virgin birth. Neither was the guy who was in the grave for several days and got out that Jesus raised. Then Jesus himself came out of, out of the grave. So if you're asking me is it humanly possible? That's not a question for me because it's not. But the difference is we're talking about who God who makes it possible. So you don't feel like you have to argue with people about how did this happen? I don't know. I don't know how Jonah stayed in the belly of a whale. You know, you see the cartoons of him drawn and where he's just kind of camped out in this stinky, smelly belly and has all the room and he's not suffocated. I don't know how that worked. But I know through God it's possible. I know through him the Bible, that he, he's the one that makes it possible, not me. Because the Bible tells us in Psalm 33 that for the word of God is right and it's truth. And it doesn't change. The Bible cannot be right today and wrong tomorrow. Because if, it's not, if it is, it's not infallible. And if it's, in, if it's not infallible, then it can't be the word of God because he is what? Infallible. He's never wrong. So the Bible is historically accurate. You know, historians use three things to verify anything in history if it's historically accurate. I don't want to give you these because I think it's interesting. And the first one is eyewitness accounts. Well, the Bible was written by people who were there. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you missed it last week, were written by people firsthand, and it's four guys' account of the same story. It's them looking at it. So Gospels were written by the, from the perspective of people that were actually there. The second thing is it has to be recorded and copied with extreme care. Well, this may be too much information for you, but I just thought this was fascinating. That the Jewish scribes, when they would, when they would make copies of the original, of the Torah, the Jewish, the, the Jewish first five books of the Bible, they didn't have printing presses, they didn't have copy machines. And so they actually had the to handwrite copy it. And so what they would do is they, would, they didn't transcribe or they didn't copy it word for word, they copied it letter for letter. And they knew what the middle letter of the Torah was. So they would go to that word, that letter, count backwards, count forwards. And all of you who are math majors know if you start in the middle and count to the end, the numbers should be the what? They should be the same. So the scribes would do this, and if they were off even one number, they would throw the whole thing away and start over. So the Bible was very much recorded and copied with extreme care. Even today, People say, well, we can't trust these versions because there's been version after version after version after version. All the main safe versions, and I said this last week, there are some that have an agenda that are trying to push, a, a push God's word in a, in a political direction that's just not right. But of the few, if you want to see those, you can go back to last week's notes. A few, the healthy copies, the healthy versions were all made from the original. They weren't made from each other to get diluted, they were all made from the original text. Because we have all those, all the way up through what we may know as the Dead Sea Scrolls. So we have a complete set of what we know as the Bible from beginning to end in their original language, in their original manuscript. And the third thing is archaeological confirmation. Here's the fact of the Bible, and I'm not going to go into this deep, but this was pretty interesting. Every people group in the Bible, there is significant Tangible, touchable, demonstratable, we can point you to it. Evidence of every people group in the Bible, except one. And in 19, the early 1900s, an archaeological expedition found night. It was the if you've read your Bible and heard of the Hittite people, and it actually found the Hittite civilization. And now everyone, every people group in the Bible is now archaeologically counted for. The Bible fits all three about being historically accurate. The second thing, the Holy Bible is scientifically accurate. You need to know this, that when we, we hear this, this term, and this is just coincidence, I promise you I'm not throwing this in to make a political statement, but it's, it's still truth. What have we heard for the last two years concerning the pandemic? To trust the, let's try again, to trust the, so, yeah, the government, yeah, no. Trust the science, right? You need to trust the science, you need to get this vaccine, you trust this science, you need not get the vaccine, you need to trust this science and take this medicine, trust the science. Well, this is just truth. This is not a political statement. Science changes. We discover new things. My, I'm, I'm 48, and if we go back to my high school science book, I dare say we go back and find in my biology book, my physics book, and all the sciences, there's a lot of stuff in there that were true in the early 90s when I was in high school that aren't true now. There's medical advancements that we have now that scientists and, and researchers in the 90s couldn't even dream of now. I'll give you a good one. Go back 30 years. Those of you who are old enough to remember, go back 30 years, maybe even 20 years. But go back. Would any of you ever thought that you would never have a phone attached to the wall in your house? If you grew up like I did, you had to talk on the phone, you, were, you may have had a 100-foot cord, but you were still attached to the wall. And now we have cell phones that we can go anywhere in the world that right now, somebody and I've done it before when I've traveled. I've been in Honduras in my hotel room doing church with you guys in another country. Years ago, nobody would have ever even thought it was possible. Science changes. But truth, we talked about last week with a capital T, never what? God's truth never changes. You can look at what, look what was written in the Psalms. This is why people are changing everything. This is in Psalm, Psalm 148. I don't think I gave it to you on the screen. It says, Let every created thing give praise to the Lord. For he issued his commands and they came into being. And he set them in place forever and ever. That his decree is never going to be changed. So let me give you some things, people say, well, okay, well, that's fine, you can say that, but let me, let me give you some things to show you what this is true, that not one scientific fact in the Bible has ever needed updating in its existence. That's a big statement, but it's true. Let me give you a couple of things, 1861, the The Brainiacs and the French Academy of Science published a book called 51 Incontrovertible Scientific Facts that prove the Bible is Wrong. Well, do you know what? Since then, all 51 facts listed in that have done nothing but prove the Bible is right. Not one of them were proven true. The Bible was right the whole time. Another one, the earth is flat. There's still people today, a whole group called the flat earthers, that think the earth is flat. As somebody who's been around it, I'm telling you, it's not flat because I came back. If it was flat, we'd just fall off the end. People still think that today, but people believe this 2,000 years ago, before the Bible was written. But do you know it's not in the Bible? That fact is not in the Bible. As a matter of fact, look what Isaiah, a prophet, wrote thousands of years beforehand. He wrote, God sits above the circle of the earth. Well, you know what the, the Hebrew word circle can be translated? Globe. It was in the Bible. A whole while people were teaching, common thought was earth was flat, you sail to the end, you're going to fall off. The Bibles never had to be scientifically changed. God sits above the earth. The next one. Scientists and general thought was that the earth had to be held up. They couldn't just be floating out there. The Greeks believe in their god Atlas, that Atlas, the earth actually rotated in his hand. And that's why he was called the god Atlas, which is the Greek word for map. The Egyptians, and this is what I think is very interesting, the Egyptians, who, if you remember the story of Moses, Moses was raised by Pharaoh. He was educated in Egyptian schools and universities. And even then, this falsehood is not in the Bible. But the Egyptians believed in the five-pillar theory. They believed that five pillars held the earth, held the globe up. This is even more interesting. Remember when I told you, if you missed this, go back last week and listen, that the Bible is not laid out in chronological order. It's done in groups, by themes of types of books. Well, the actual oldest book in the Bible, chronologically, is the book of Job. So you can go back that far. I want you to see and look what Job wrote in Job 26. That God stretches out the northern sky over empty space and he hangs the earth on. This was written thousands of years. And Moses, you would think if Moses knew that, he would have gotten it in the Bible, gotten it in the manuscript. Yet it's not. It was also thought this science changing. It was also thought that the number of stars could be counted, that you could lay on your back in a dark night and go, one, two, three, four, five, six. Well, this genius, and most of you probably heard of him, in 150 BC, Copernicus counted and determined there was 1,022 stars. Fifty years later, another genius counted and said, no, you're wrong, there's 1,026. Now, if you do to the ultimate fact checker and just look on Google, Google will tell you that there's an estimated 200 billion trillion stars. In other words, you can't count that high. Hmm. Well, look what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah 33. He actually said this. And the stars in Jeremiah 33:22 said the stars cannot be what? Counted. The Bible needs no correction. Let me give you another one. It used to be thought that too much blood would make you sick. The old medical, and this was a a regular medical practice called bloodletting. You may have heard of it. They believed that if you were sick, they could just drain you and drain the disease out of you, or drain the sickness out of you. Well, we all know now if you lose too much blood, what happens? You die. Well, do you know what actually killed our first president, George Washington? He was sick, and the sickness didn't kill him. They three times, days in a row, bled him down to less than 60% of his blood. That's why he died. But the Bible knew, if they just read their Bible, Leviticus 17.11 says this, that the life of the body is in its blood. Not a political statement, but a Bible statement. If you want to know why I support and will always stand on the side of life and babies, this is why. Before anything else happens in development, the Bible says says there's blood and there's life in that blood. So if you say, well, there's no life, well, I beg to differ because there's life in the blood. Try to live without it. If you want to prove me wrong, drain yourself and see what happens. The Bible says that there's life in the the blood. If you think back back to the bubonic plague and all these diseases, they used to not know and realize that you could pass germs from person to person. We all are overly familiar with it now, right? You know, they used to not know that. So they didn't know about quarantine. Well, look what Leviticus says about this, is the priest will quarantine a person for seven days. And this was talking about infectious skin diseases. The Bible does not have to be changed. You can trust it. Now, I'll tell you this one, the third one still kind of just brings, grinds my brain to a halt because it's just It's really, I don't know. It's just, this is the... The Holy Bible is prophetically accurate. If you don't know what a prophecy is, the Bible says that that in parts of the Old Testament, or even all through the Bible, that God spoke to man, this is what's going to happen, and he writes it down. Now, is a prophecy any good if it doesn't come true? No, it's just empty words. Well, in the Bible... There's a, over a 1,000 prophecies, and of those 1,000, 300 are about Jesus. The last prophecy about Jesus was 400 years before Jesus ever showed up on the earth. And you know what it was? It was David. King David wrote about Jesus who would die on a cross. Well, get this, a cross hadn't even been invented yet. People weren't, that was a sign, it was a form of torture that the Romans perfected, but it hadn't even been come up with yet. And David wrote it thousands, hundreds of years before Jesus ever showed up. Here's the crazy thing. This guy's name doesn't matter, but just so you know, it's a guy named Dr. Peter Stone. He's a statistician and statistics and probability expert. He calculated the probability of one man fulfilling all of these prophecies. All of the prophecies of Jesus have all come true. And they weren't just uh, large, big broadcast prophecies. There were specific things like he would be born in a manger, where he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. All of these things, as you know, all happened. But what I don't think we realize, that the odds of all this happening are very, very, very slim Yet God pulled it off. One person fulfilling eight, just eight, not all 300, just eight of the prophecies is one and 10 to the 17th power. And let me show you this. This is what that number looks like. Let me give you another perspective. This, This helps me because I'm very visually oriented. If we took the state of Texas and took a silver dollar, and we covered the entire state of Texas two feet deep with silver dollars and then took one, one of them and painted it red and mixed it in. The odds of you being able to fly over or lean down, pick one up, and pick up that red one would be the one in the eight. Go back to the other one. It would be eight. Eight prophecies would be one in 10 to the 17th power. The whole state of Texas covered two feet deep in silver dollars. You pick out one specific one. That's kind of mind-boggling. If you haven't been to Texas, it's a big place. Two feet deep. If you go to just 16 prophecies, it's 1 and 10 to the 45th. I couldn't even fit the number on the screen. It just says 1 and infinite 0, all these zeros. One person fulfilling 48, and this is as high as I went. I stopped. It's 10 10 to the 157th power. Even my calculator said, no thanks. It's it's, It's just too astronomically big. And there's no real explanation for it other than this. Man didn't write the Bible. God did. God wrote it. Man was the pen. I said last week or week before, we, the, the men that wrote it were just the Hewlett Packards of the day. They were just the printer, the HP printer, the copy machine. God spoke to them, and the Bible says they wrote it. Look what it says in Second Peter 1, that for, prop, for prophecy had never had its origin in humans, but they spoke as they were carried along by God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. To me, those kind of numbers, is just, I don't know, it just grinds my gears to a halt to think, that God pulled this off in those kind of odds. The fourth thing, the Holy Bible is thematically unified. And I'm not going to go real deep into this one, because if you want to really look at this, go back last week and and, uh, listen. But the Bible was written over 1,600 years in a dozen countries, on three continents, multiple languages, penned by 40 people, and all of them have been verified, factually point to Jesus. Now, there are other religious books the the Islamic Quran. People say, well it's unified. Well of course it is. It was written by one dude, Muhammad. The all these other major religions were written by one person. It's easy to unify it when you got one guy writing it. He can make it say whatever it wants. These were written over all those definitions and they all point to Jesus. Jesus even said in Luke 24, he said, then Jesus took the took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets and explained to them all these verses that talked about him. And can you imagine pulling up in your Bible and going, hey, yeah, this is Moses and this has got David writing all this and this was written hundreds of years ago, but this is telling you what just happened. Like I just showed up on, you know, when Jesus would be saying 33 years earlier, hey, this is what happened. I rode in on a donkey, I was born in the manger, I was a... My mother was, was a virgin. This all happened. And the Bible says that Jesus pulled him aside and pointed him out in the Scriptures. And it all point to Jesus. Number five, and this one may seem kind of dorky, but it makes sense, sense, makes sense in my brain. The Holy Bible is trusted by Jesus. And in my mind, if I'm giving my life to follow Jesus, if I'm giving my life and believing that everything he says is true, that he is my savior, he is my healer, he, he is um, the lamb that was sacrificed for me, then I should believe what he believes, right? Well, look what Jesus says about the Bible in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. It says, For truly I tell you, until the heaven and earth disappear. So Until he comes and, every, and, and God takes us to heaven and rebuilds everything. Look what happens. Not the smallest letter, not the least pen stroke, by any means will disappear from the law until what? Everything is, come on, everything is accomplished. You may not see it now, you may not feel it now, but the Bible says it's not changing. You may think, God, when are you going to bring me health? God, when are you going to bring me life? God, when are you going to bring my kids back? God, when is life going to change for me as I follow you? It doesn't change his word just because you don't see it. The Bible says that not one part of the Bible is going away. See, the problem is, and we talked about this term last week called deconstruction, and it's for really kind of people in their 30s and down, 35 and down. There's this whole movement of deconstruction, and all they're doing is taking the Bible and then pulling out stuff they don't like, and then living by that, and saying, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm, I'm deconstructing. I'm simplifying my faith. Well, no, you're just changing the rules. It would be like you and I playing football. And then you're going, well, I'm not playing with 11 guys. My truth to me is I think I need 15. Well, you can't do that. You can't change the rules. Because one, it's not your, you don't have the authority. You don't change the rules. Picking and choosing what you like actually does this. Because when you trust yourself, there are a lot of Christians who aren't Christians. They become their own religion. They just lay lay parts of the Bible over it. Parts of the Bible, and they try to say, well, if I just do good, the Bible says if I do unto others as I want them to do to me, then I I get to go to heaven. Well, no, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you should do that, but it doesn't say that's what gets you to heaven. So people are taking the Bible, and then we're just deconstructing it to mean whatever we want. We become our own religion. And number six. The Holy Bible has survived all attacks. I don't know if you've noticed it today, but the Bible is still under incredible attack today. People still write daily. Don't look it up because it's just a waste of time. There's blog after blog after blog after um, podcast after podcast of people telling you a thousand reasons why the Bible is not true. And they've been doing it for thousands of years. And the, you see the Bible has survived all of it. Because the Bible is the most despised, derided, denied, disputed, debated, outlawed, and even destroyed. You know, at one time they were burning Bibles. In China they were burning Bibles. Ushers, you guys can go ahead and do your thing. Yet it endures. I want to give you this one. I, again, this is, just, this is true history. You can look it up for yourself. In the 18th century, there was another, another genius called, his name was Voltaire. He was a French philosopher, and he was known for making this statement, that in the 18th century, he said, within 100 years, the Bible will be forgotten. I don't know about you, but the Bible's not forgotten, and all the stats I gave you last week of it's still the best-selling, most reproduced, it's the most number of that book in the world, by far, over everything else. But you want to know the funny story in this? That when Voltaire died, the French Bible Society bought his house. You want to know where the headquarters of the French Bible Society is today? In his house. I think think God just laughs. Like, you dummy. That they bought his house and, and put the headquarters of the French Bible Society in it. Because Peter wrote this in 1 first, in first Peter 1. says, as the scriptures say, people are like grass, their beauty in the field. But hey, guess what? You're <laughs> See, there's, you have to read humor in the Bible. If you're getting old, you're just getting old. Look, the Bible says, the grass withers and the flower fades. You're going to wrinkle up and we're all going to eventually die anyway. Look what it says. That the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever even us moving on us going to be with jesus and, die, and the bible says it, it's not changing anything that we're going to have to answer some questions are you going to attack the bible are you going to live by it are you going to deconstruct it and pull out the little places and pieces that you like and we'll just take that we can't talk about blood we, shh, we don't talk about blood well, the Bible is very clear that Jesus came and bled and died for me. I better believe I'm going to talk about it. Are you going to deconstruct it or are you going to defend it? And then ultimately, are you going to follow the world and let them lead you? Or are we going to stand up and say, I know this is the way the world's going, but my Bible tells me and my God tells me that this is truth. And I'm not moving from it. I, say, I, I use this story all the time, but it's still true today, 20 years later. For 20 years, we've been pointing at Emma and saying that you are whole, complete, and lacking nothing. Even when the times when she's got you so aggravated and I want to pinch your head, that my flesh is just, even last night, Mel and I just looked at each other and just rolled our eyes like, ugh. But five minutes later, you're whole, you're complete, and lacking nothing. No matter what the world tells me, you're whole, you're complete, and you're lacking nothing. Even when I don't see it, We're going to have to answer these questions. Why don't you stand with me and I'm going to give you number seven. The cool thing about number seven is you can actually put this one to the test. The Holy Bible, God's Word, has life-changing power. I want you to say that with me. The Holy Bible has life-changing power. Say it again like you believe it. The Holy Bible has life-changing power. We're going to have to begin to walk this out. You've heard me say this before and again this year. I'm going to ask you to do this. If you've been here for more than a year, you've heard me say. If you're new here, give us one year. Give us 2023. Starting next week. Starting now. Just jump on board. Show up on Sundays. Get in a grow group tithe and give generously just do what we do in life to take our one step to read our Bible to get a, get a Bible plan show up this week for seven, 7 day restart pick you a time even if you can't join us we're gonna, we'll post a link of our, our prayer Spotify list so you can just listen to that you can pray along with us our prayer points for the week are on give us one year And if we come back to January of next year and your life is not better, I not only give your tithe back, we'll go to a different church together because we're just wasting our time if we're not moving forward. Because the Bible says God's Word has the power to change our lives. John 8, 31, 32, we'll close with this. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching and you're real disciples, not deconstructed, not pick and choosing, the Bible says in another part of the, of the Bible, if you give God your whole heart, then you'll find him. Not just giving him little pieces at a time, but giving your whole heart. Then it says this, then you'll know the truth. And the truth has power, and it's going to do something. It's going to bring you freedom. It's going to bring you out of that dark place. It's going to bring you healing. It's going it's to deliver you from fear. It's going to take you into a financial place when you follow him and just trust him with your finances instead of trying to do it yourself. It's going to take you into a healthy place in your marriage, in your relationships, in your school, in life, because you trust him. You can trust the Bible. My final challenge today is find somebody who's done number seven. And ask people, ask your friends, ask people in the congregation, hey, have you ever done that? Have you ever done it for a year? Have you ever trusted God for a year? Have you ever done this? And get ready to hear an answer, because they're going to give you one, and I promise you every single time, yes. We jumped in with both feet, and our lives have never been the same, because you can trust the Bible, and you can trust God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Bow your heads. God, I thank you that your word is true, and it's life. God, for those in the room, He say, well, Clint, I don't know Jesus. I need to find him. Then I would say to you today, Jesus said it's this easy. If you confess me with your mouth, you believe it in your heart that I came and died for you, and now I'm at the right hand of the Father. I was raised from the dead. Then the Bible says that eternity is yours. And your heart becomes his. And once your whole heart becomes his, the Bible says that he begins to work in your life. God, I thank you for all those in the room who are thinking, I need to come back, or maybe I need to start, that today they would find the, the courage, you would give them the courage to take that step. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you t- this morning, maybe you're online, you can wave at me. But I just want you to wave at me, and I want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you. Anybody else? All right, well, let's pray this together. Everybody pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus today, today I receive. You as my Lord and my Savior. God, I believe it in my heart and I confess it with my mouth that you are Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now let me bless you. I'm going to send you on. We're going to sing one more song as we leave. Let me remind you that over to my right, your left, we've always got somebody over here. Not just during the seven days, but there's always a couple over here that are willing to pray with you. You can tell them as much as you want. You can tell them as little as you want. You can just say, hey, I need you to agree with me. I need God's help. And if that's you, please don't leave without having somebody pray with you. They'll be over there and they'll stay as long as as needed, however many people they are, but it's there for you every week, not just this week. Also, fill out your cards, drop those in the offering, and the ushers will make sure they get up here and we're gonna be praying over them. Otherwise, I'm gonna bless you and then we're gonna sing. But we'll be back here at 6 a.m. in the morning to do our week. Find you a time to give God some time. Make it a priority this week, all right? All right. God, I thank you in Jesus' name. We thank you for the rain that blesses us on the earth. God, that we need, we ask you to just get everybody home safely. God, I ask you for those who are missing today that you bring them home safely. We thank you, God, for the miracles that you've done this week. God, the people's lives you brought healing to, the lives you've turned around. God, we thank you that we stand on your word. It brings us truth and life and freedom. And we thank you for it now, Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody said.